0: Welcome to Supersized Science, where we feature research and discoveries nationwide enabled by advanced computing technology and expertise at the Texas Advanced Computing Center of the University of Texas at Austin. I'm Jorge Salazar, a science writer at TAC. The Hawaiian Emperor Seamount chain spans almost 4,000 miles from the Hawaiian Islands to the Detroit Seamount in the North Pacific, an L-shaped chain that goes west and then abruptly north. The 60-degree bend in the line of mostly undersea mountains and volcanic islands has puzzled scientists since it was first identified in the 1940s from the data of numerous echo-sounding ships. A team of scientists have now used supercomputers to model and reconstruct the dynamics of Pacific tectonic plate motion that might explain the mysterious mountain chain bend, in work published January of 2022 in Nature Geoscience. The scientists use Stampede 2 and the Frontera supercomputers here at TAC, allocated by the Extreme Science and Engineering Discovery Environment, EXCEED, which is funded by the National Science Foundation. Here to discuss the geological mystery is study co-author Michael Gurneys, a professor of geophysics at the California Institute of Technology. Dr. Gurneys, welcome to Supersized Science.
1: No problem, Jorge. It's a pleasure so maybe we can go on to discussing what the major results of this study are and so the idea that was originated many years ago is that the tectonic plate the pacific was moving to the north and it gave the emperor seamount, and then abruptly it then started to move to the west right and of course when i use the word abruptly it's in the parlance of speaking as an earth scientist, and that may have occurred over a period on the order of about a million years, okay? So still, for the person on the street, hardly abrupt at all, it would be the slowest, it's like the fingernail growing rate, you know, it's just very slow. But in any event, something happened in a geological sense very, very quickly. And we think what The traditional idea going back many years is that something happened to the forces which drive plate tectonics to cause the Pacific plate to go from the north to abruptly go to the west. And so what could that have been? And so there are ideas that are out there, but one of the things that no one has ever been able to successfully do before is explain with the physics, how this could actually happen, right? Now there's ideas and people, geologists will make little cartoons in their papers and will collect lots of data around the world in support of one idea versus another idea, but no one has ever been able to explain why that could happen. And what we've done here with this set of computer simulations, these very high resolution, mechanical models of plate tectonics for the first time we've been able to show how the pacific plate can abruptly change go from the north to the west and it's been a it's been like a holy grail in these studies to figure out why this happened and so that's what we've done here we've been able to explain this for the very first time that doesn't mean it's right or wrong it's a now a theory right which will have to be further tested but we've been able to at least put it on a firm
0: physical ground. Just looking at it, these are very big objects, right? These um, tectonic plates that are moving into, into suddenly, you know, switch directions like that. It, I'm sure it requires some good evidence as, as to what something unusual happening. Absolutely. Now, it turns out that
1: the story thickens because... Now this may be a little bit more technical than I've just described, but the idea of what causes the hotspot track is something called a plume inside the mantle. So it's, a, it's sort of like a pencil inside the mantle. So there's almost like a spot on the surface of the earth which is very hot and it's fed from below by hot mantle moving upwards. This idea, that it's the change in plate motion is predicated on the idea that the hot spots, the plumes are actually fixed in the mantle. They're fixed, but the plates move. Now, what was discovered about a decade and a half ago was that the Empress Seamount chain, that plume source moved very fast from 80 million years ago to about 50 million years ago and then stopped moving. So it moved. Now, it turns out that when you look at it in detail, both of these things apparently happened and both changed abruptly. That is the plume moved and stopped and the plate also shifted its direction. So that may sound, oh, that seems kind of like ad hoc, because now you're presuming these two things which seem to be unique on the planet, happen simultaneously. On the other hand, maybe there's an underlying physical reason why they would happen simultaneously. Now, one of the things that you asked is that you asked about an earlier study that I was involved in with some other folks, as well as the last author, in this paper here. So the last author in this paper, Deepmar Mueller and myself. So we've worked together on problems like this for many decades. And, and the other folks are younger scientists of, at different career stages. But about five years ago, Dietmar and myself was with another student. We wrote this paper, which was in Nature. And in that paper, we showed How, based upon the physics of how plumes could work inside the mantle, that you could have a plume which rapidly migrated to the south and then stopped at 50 million years ago. Now, these two studies in the end end up being quite complementary because going into the present study, we actually had a model which could explain the motion of the plume to the south and then stop abruptly. But we didn't have a model that could explain how the plate could change its direction. And now, many scientists empirically, oh, so how did, so let me step back and because you also asked, well, how did we do this study and, and why, what were the biggest computational challenges in the present work, right? Well, the computational challenges are this, it's actually inherent in this word plate, okay? So we have what are called tectonic plates. So this big Pacific plate, for all intents and purposes, is rigid, right? Without deformation on the inside, okay? But yet, as we all know, the boundaries between plates, this is where many earthquakes actually occur and even in this picture here, like if in this picture here, big earthquakes occur at the boundaries of these plates. And that's because one plate is sliding by and it's going underneath another plate and there's friction between those plates and we have great earthquakes which occur there. So in order to, on a computer, simulate the physics of plates, it turns out that we need to have the correct properties of plates where they can actually have faults in them, but yet the plate can actually move. And sometimes, and if this is true, within the interior of the earth, there's something called mantle convection where things, and you think almost like a fluid and things are moving around, right? But then on the other hand, we have plates and that's more like, Something which is rigid and moving. And that's the challenge of the physics here to sort of be able to get both of those pieces of physics computed simultaneously. And that means you need computational methods that can handle vast changes in the mechanical properties from one place to another plate, as well as has a fault. And that's why we need, and why we've developed the software and why we need the resources that are at TAC. And for this study here, we use both Frontera as well as Stampede 2. And so for example, for the calculations where the nice pictures are in the paper, they were actually computed overnight, but they, they a typical run, was on 8,000 cores for 10 hours, right? So 80,000 sort of little computational units need to be computed simultaneously. And the software scales extraordinarily well on these platforms, right? They're very, very efficient on a parallel computer. And so we were able to, as we showed in the illustrations of the paper, we were able to show that we could get the plate pulling and sliding by another plate. So that's something we had discovered before um, using earlier attack computers, but here, this is now we've gone into the geological past to use these methodologies. And now, interestingly enough, one of the things we discovered in this study is that the traditional idea of why the Pacific plate went like this and then went like that, went from north and then south, it failed. And let me show you why. So the reason why a plate moves in the direction that it moves is here in the Western Pacific, underneath Japan, and and in this subduction zone right in here, underneath this subduct, this is another subduction zone, but it's underneath the ocean, the island of Guam is right here, what not? Um, and what happened is this subduction zone from this spot here to this spot here actually formed at 50 million years ago. And so it would seem that, oh, if the subduction zone was born at that time that it provided the motive force to allow the plate to move at that point. It turns out that this There's another one in the South located in exactly in the same orientation. It formed at 50 million years ago too. So the geologists empirically would have thought that this had been solved, but I knew that that really couldn't work. And the reason for that is that in order for the plate to be pulled in this direction by these things called slabs, those are where the forces are It's cold material and it pulls down. So that cold material may have started pulling at 50 million years ago, but the force wasn't big enough to pull in that direction. So that's why earth scientists have always known at some level that these subduction zones either were a cause or a consequence of this change in plate motion, but they didn't know which one it was. And there's been a lot of work that I, and I've been involved in some of that, going out to these subduction zones with big drill ships to drill into the ocean floor, to collect the rocks, to measure their ages and to measure other properties to see if this, these ideas were correct or not. Now, what we discovered here is when we put these forces in, it didn't have enough force to pull the Pacific plate there. And what we discovered is that it turns out that there was another idea that had existed in the literature, but folks were not paying any attention to it. And that was that there was another subduction zone in the north, and that's the one which we discuss in the paper. It's called the Kronotsky Arc or the Kronotsky subduction zone existed and it terminated at around 50 million years ago. And so what we did is that we built new tectonic reconstructions and we put these subduction zones in that people were not paying attention to. And when we put them in, we first discovered that we could make the Pacific plate go to the north. And then when that subduction terminated, the Pacific plate now started to move to the West and it slowly built up these other subduction zones. And then over time, it started to provide more force to pull the Pacific plate. So it's a very interesting idea. It's, um, I would consider it in the realm of now it's a new hypothesis that's much firmer in terms of the physics upon which it's based upon And it now allows other scientists to to use that and to see if it will hold up to further scrutiny, if there can be uh, some other ideas that can be tested on that.
0: What's the most important thing that you'd like the public to know about using supercomputers to help understand what's happening below the surface of the Earth? The use of
1: supercomputers essentially allows us to discover and uncover the basic phenomena which govern the most important processes shaping the earth.
0: You've been listening to Michael Gurneys of the California Institute of Technology. Supersized Science is part of the Texas Podcast Network, the conversation changing the world, brought to you by the University of Texas at Austin. The opinions expressed in this podcast represent the views of the host, not of the University of Texas at Austin. For the Texas Advanced Computing Center, I'm Jorge Salazar.